Welcome to another episode of the Soul Edge Podcast. It's a privilege to have Rich and Lydia decast with me on the show. Rich is a Soul Edge alumni and now currently the director of David's Tent in the UK. You're going to hear Rich and Lydia's story, how they first met and started doing ministry together. We also get to talk about how David's Tent started and the whole journey behind that and really hearing the heart of why they do what they do. And finally, we finish off by talking about the things that they feel Jesus is teaching his church about worship in the midst of this current season. I hope you enjoy. Well, guys, it is so great to have this chance to speak with you. I have Rich and Lydia Decass uh, here with me. And wow, just we were catching up a bit before. So great to hear what Jesus is doing in their lives. Uh, but I want to kind of take take everyone back to how you guys first met. Can you tell us like a little bit of your story? Like how did you guys meet? What did that look like? It's a good story. It's a good story. So I'm, I'm from England and you're not. No, I'm from Holland uh, or the Netherlands, I should say. Okay. Um, I, when I kick us off, you yeah, take you it. Kick off. so I was uh, after Soul Edge, I did, uh, I spent some time living in Africa and then eventually landed in Holland doing some worship leading, not really knowing what I was doing really. Um, and I was a bit fed up of Holland and then, um, my too flat. Yeah, it was too flat, (laughs) too many bicycles and windmills. Um, and then I was basically at the point of like, okay, I've had enough of this. I'm coming home. My dad came to visit and he literally said to me, um, I think you should stay in Holland for a few more months because I, I feel like God has something more for you here. And then that was the very day that, that we met. And, uh, and I, was, I was leading worship somewhere and I had my missionary clothes on, some brown cords, really old t-shirt. Yeah, not attractive. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we, we got talking and at, at first it was it was we had a really good friendship Mm. but you were four years older than me and I was like she's so lovely but she's a bit old um (laughs) (laughs) what if only you could be like four years older (laughs) yeah he's so young um so and then and then I wooed you with my charm English charm and uh and then we got together after a few months and then 18 months later, we were married. And, wow. uh, You've done the whole story now. Oh, sorry. No, that's, yeah, that's, the, that's the man version. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's hear yeah. some from your perspective, Lydia. Well, because, uh, no. Um, when you talk about those five years. Um, so, yeah, so um, God asked me to stay single for it for a time before I met Rich. So I was already single for two years. So I thought, well, it's probably about time I meet my man. And then God asked me to stay single for another three years. Um, so I did. I, um, uh, so yeah, and then he, then he spoke really clearly when you're 25, that's when you will meet him. And I'll tell you, I'm always, I was always quite careful with stuff like this because I've heard some crazy stories. Mm-hmm. So um, the only person I, I told was my diary and my best friend. 
Um, so I didn't tell a lot of people. And, um, but in those three years, um, so God suddenly started speaking English to me. And, uh, and remember, I'm Dutch, so I don't speak English, really. Um, I didn't. I wasn't very good at English as well. But, and I asked God, I said, why do, you, why do you speak English to me? And he said, because one day you will need it to translate your heart and your emotions in English. Yeah. So from that day on, so I, I bought an English Bible. I, so my whole like devotion with God was in English and I started writing in English, like whatever I felt the Holy Spirit was saying. And it's hilarious to write, to read back because so many mistakes. <laughs> um, but yeah, for three years long, I, I shared my heart with God in English. And then I turned 25 in October and we met in November the next month. Wow. So it was literally, yeah, I mean, it was, it was mad. And to be really honest, as I, as I cheekily said a bit, I, it was not like <laughs> I saw him and I thought, whew. Um, but I just loved his heart straight away. I remember just, oh, I loved, I mean, you know, Rich, right? Yeah. His heart is gold. Um, so I, I, I just absolutely loved that. And then, yeah, after friendship and now, like, now you think i'm hot and sexy now i do yeah. i mean mary does a lot to a man right <laughs> <laughs> and a woman like this. um but i i think what one thing i want to say is um i was really scared to fall in love mm. and i think so many people are especially in this generation is so it's just so scary it is scary because um so when i was 14 i really took a kind of like a vow i thought I will never, ever, ever, ever fall in love because somebody can make me or break me. Um, and I just knew about that people would break you. So I took that vow and I literally never did. Mm. And then when I met Rich, um, I still couldn't fall in love with anyone. And uh, then one day, well, there was, anyway, then one day God spoke to me and uh, he showed me a picture and I said to God, why, why did you show me that picture? And he said, and it was about Rich. And he said, I'll show you this because it's okay to open your heart to fall in love with Rich. He's a good man. Like you can fall in love with him. And it really helped me. And it, um, it was still, you know, slowly by slowly, not like one day, poo. Yeah. But I, like, I quite often say, like, we, we absolutely loved each other when we got married. But, like, now nine years later it's like so much more. Times more it's like yeah. unbelievable yeah. Yeah. um i remember somebody once said to me when you married some when you marry someone you should love someone 100 percent because only 50 will <laughs> 50 will only stay and that's enough to survive and i'm like i couldn't disagree more like it's like absolutely the opposite yeah. like yeah. yeah growing together is the best yeah. So good. So as you guys kind of started journeying together as young marrieds, uh, obviously mm. you guys spent some time in Africa. What were some of the things in those early years that started to kind of bring clarity to your calling, both as individuals and sort of your calling as a couple? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think for me, when I was when I was 12 years old, I'd describe it as the closest thing to hearing the audible voice of God was a calling to lead worship. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so I started leading worship when I was 12. And that's always been a part of my mm-hmm. journey and how I've you know, primarily led in, in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and so before you we were even dating, I, I asked you to sing with me when I was leading worship somewhere in Holland. And as a joke, you said, oh, it's a date with Rich. Because <laughs> it was before we were even like, thinking about dating. <laughs> yeah. and, um, but, but actually, you, you know, because when I met you, I was like, okay, I've, you know, I, know, I know this worship leading thing. I know all the Tim Hughes songs. I know all the chords, the minor ones as well. <laughs> um, and, uh, uh, but actually, as we started to lead worship together, I discovered how much of a strength we are together when we lead worship Mm. and um you bring such a powerful prophetic bold vulnerable fierce Mm. sort of leadership in the spirit and and i often come at worship being for more of a pastoral sort of how do we bring all these people together towards god and Mm. so like together it feels like we're this killer Mm. sort of deadly team (laughs) <laughs> um, and and so when we when we first got married we moved from holland to, and we lived in london and we we joined this thing called burn where for all night we would worship mm-hmm. and we would lead these like we would lead a two-hour slot of worship and basically we wouldn't sing any songs in that time we would just sort of swirl and you know prophesy and pray mm-hmm. and see and i feel like that was a real time when we grew some real muscles and mm-hmm. how to lead worship and yeah in the, how to move in the power of the holy spirit and and you know and then we that's how we ended up getting involved in david's tent at the beginning around that time it was through the those uh those worship leading worship basically mm. and i think what's been amazing is is seeing you know moments where god has really we've seen him powerfully move through mm-hmm. worship and that's not the goal of worship the worships to him it's for him it's about him it's all mm-hmm. about his glory it's not about what we get out from him and all the breakthrough and all that but mm-hmm. we have so many testimonies of doing amazing things and and so i i don't know if um you know that that's definitely how our lives have come together mm. as, as worship leaders we come together we were two voices very different yeah um and god sort of knit us together and i hate it when either of us has to lead without the other now because mm. it's like i don't have my wingman and uh <laughs> it's rubbish because together we're so much stronger mm. um and it's been a you know we've had to wrestle and fight for that yeah. and battle for it i it it, it reminds me of a time um it was just before we were about to leave worship and it was quite a tough year that year and um i remember us in the morning like praying and saying oh god i we have nothing to give like i felt the emptiest i've ever felt like since then and we just both felt so empty and so rubbish and we were like okay but we we're going to do this you know we're going to do this and i remember like afterwards we were like we're born for this you know we we don't want anything else this is why we live this is you know and i think that's the part where we're like we're such a team like yeah. beforehand we were like uh, and then we were like 
this is and what you said it's not it's not for us but we come alive in a way that we're like wow this, there's something here like this is amazing beforehand you feel emptier than empty and then it's just god's power is just incredible yeah yeah yeah. you remember that oh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's been m- many times when it's felt like that yeah but especially that time like oh yeah. Oh. yeah Rich just take us back for a moment back to your time on Soul Edge how did that sort of impact and shape your your life and your faith journey wow I mean not not wanting to sort of flatter or anything like i genuinely think soul edge has been one of the most transformative things in my life and mm. um, it's had a, one of the biggest impacts on me i i i came out of boarding school life where i was um you know i was living this sort of double life where at school i would be just one of the normal lads getting drunk chasing after girls and at the weekend, I'd be this Christian guy leading worship in my dad's church and so torn about that. And, and then at Soul Edge was the first time when I felt like I was surrounded by other men who were all going after the same thing and who had the confidence in the truth of God and confidence that uh, he can use us to bring real change in the world. Um, and it just opened my eyes and opened my heart to to actually almost in a way be become fully saved or become alive as a man in God and sort of begin walking out my salvation and um, I've just got so many memories of you know I, people who know me will be like man you actually managed to get rich out of bed early and go for a run. <laughs> Like, what sort of miracle? I mean, you remember that, those days, waking me up in the morning. I'm like, go away. <laughs> You've got a bucket of water on time. Um, you know, and, and I love I love sort of the idea of climbing a mountain, but... <laughs> actually doing it. <laughs> actually doing it. Um, and these crazy experiences in Africa, like when we went to Takana and we had the most disastrous mission trip ever. Um and like the 20 hour bus journeys and everything going wrong. And, and I look back on it and I just see how that has shaped me as a man, as a leader, as a disciple. Um, you know, I was listening, I was listening to the first episode of the podcast and you guys were saying about how the value of serving someone else's needs before your own. And that's really something that I've seen you guys live out but it's really had an impact on me and, and actually what, how I, my whole sort of paradigm for leadership is all about servanthood now. And um, so I'm so, I'm so grateful for Solid. It sort of set me off on a, on a journey that took me around the world and lots of different experiences led me to, to my wife. Um, um, But grounded me in the words and in discipleship the spiritual disciplines so give gave me the confidence to become a, you know the real son of god that i knew in my heart i was but i wasn't living out in my life so mm. yeah that's um, so good thank you rich just for sharing that reflection oh 
seen kind of like obviously i've listened to all your all your music anything that you release anyway and i love that this theme of like justice comes out so often Um, obviously you guys spent some time in africa as a couple yeah maybe talk to me or or to us when listening a little bit about the your heart for justice and how you see that kind of works with worship and those two things coming together yeah I think it's it's definitely been a long theme, a long theme thread throughout throughout my life as a worshiper and as a worship leader, and mm. sort of a lot of our early worship songs were written in Africa and in that place, and um, you know I I think more recently when I read Amos five, where it says basically God says. I don't want to hear your worship songs because you don't care about justice. Mm. Um, and it's, you know, that, that is really mm. profound now. And as deep, so, you know, in our sort of, as we've been placed in this role to head up a, a worship movement, sort of grappling with, you know, how much have we actually been engaging with this in our lives? Um, mm. And that's been a sobering, mm. sobering truth and sort of awakening us back to that, you know, how much is our heart moved with compassion? And um, Because if, if, if we're just singing songs and we're not actually doing the things that Jesus told us to do, act justly, love mercy, mm. walk humbly, then what are we doing? Um, and actually God is just sticking his fingers in his ears and saying I don't want to hear your songs I don't care how good they are Mm. you know and the Bible is really clear Matthew in Matthew 25 I think it is where he's he's like you did all these things um, but you didn't serve the poor Mm. so I don't know you and then on the other hand you've got Jesus is saying um you know, you did all these things, but I never knew you as well. So it's like, it's both things. Like we have to pursue real intimacy with God mm-hmm. and, and worship is a, is a pathway that so many of us walk to find that place of intimacy with him. It's not the only pathway, but it is a, an incredible pathway that's so wide and so many different expressions. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's also about what are we doing with our whole lives? Yeah. Um, and worship, we, we, we've all talked about it for so long. You know, worship isn't just about singing, it's about our whole lives. And we talked about it for some because it's, it's actually true. Mm. God cares about our hearts and, our, you know, how much are we not just talking about compassion, but actually allowing ourselves to be moved. Mm. I, you know, I, I think the, the whole idea of like, we, we ask so, so much, God, give me your love. And the Bible is clear. Where is God's love pointed? It's towards the poor. Yeah. It's towards the brokenhearted. It's towards the widows and the orphans. Towards the outcasts. Towards the lonely. So that's, that's my experience. The closer we step towards God and the deeper we go into his heart, the more he fills us with his love. Mm. which is actually for the poor and broken and the outcast. So. Mm. Yeah. And I think the, the other part as well is, so a lot of the songs that we've been writing um, have, been, have 
have born out of a place, have been born, have been born mm. out of a place of something that we've walked through mm. either together or, or individually. And um, so, for example, I, I notice quite often, like when we lead worship somewhere, um, I just suddenly feel the Holy Spirit saying uh, or pointing to a group and uh, just breaking my heart for this group of, for example, abused women. Mm. And, and I, just, I, I just know the Holy Spirit wants to do something, mm. you know, and it's like my faith level gets raised like a million mm. and not because I'm so amazing, but because he's in the room and he just wants to do something right now. And, and somehow God has given us this, this openness of trust somehow, because some of the people have never met us, you know, mm. but somehow it is God who's doing it, but there's an openness and we can speak into lives and, and God's healing. So for example, we, we've had um, last year, somebody get, came to us and this lady, and she said, um, three years ago, you guys were leading worship here and there and um or leading worship there and she said and do you remember that moment when you stopped the whole band and you said there's one person here i get goosebumps again when i say it because I, I, that's why i knew that the holy spirit was saying there's one person here and you've been healed last night from incredible trauma and this morning you woke up and you said it's probably all not true you know, and I probably still need to go through counseling. Um, she said, and that person was me. She said, I was that person last night. God healed me. And this morning she said, I woke up and had all these thoughts and doubts. She said, and you stopped everybody and spoke. That was, that was me. She said, and, and what's incredible is since then my whole life is completely changed. Mm. And and that is that's God bringing justice to a, to a life that was. She said, I, "I had been through trauma that could have never been healed in this lifetime, and that's happened." And and isn't that incredible? And that's our God. I'm like, so we worship Him just because He's worthy, but He is the God of healing, and He brings so much healing over injustice. And so that's the other part. And just to just to sort of tap on that of like ken ken weitzman talks about how you know if truth is what is reality mm. then justice is how things should be yeah and and mm -hmm. so that applies to as such a wide definition of justice but mm. i feel like that's, there, there's some biblical truths in that and so moments like that are where you know god in his his mercy he bring in his kindness he brings things into line with his plan. Mm. And, and actually that's the end goal, isn't that we all float off on a cloud. It's the, the, the renewal of all things. And mm. that's our role as men and women on the earth is to bring, bring about his kingdom and the renewal of all things. Mm. Yeah. So that's quite a long answer. The worship and yeah. justice. <laughs> In our bones. <laughs> so uh, Rich is obviously the, UK director of David's tent and, and Lydia, you, you guys are team um, uh, one flesh. So very much doing that together. And um, maybe tell us a little bit about like how David's tent started. You guys were, you know, early on in that story. Um, yeah. I would love to hear a little bit of it. Obviously it's a huge story, but yeah. Some of yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Well, so it started with a few, uh, just a few sort of crazy friends in London. And uh, the, the whole thought was like... Good crazy. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, we've got so many conferences and we've got so many of these events going on. What would we actually do if Jesus came? You know, how could we not worship yeah. him nonstop? And then it was like, oh, okay, let's worship. Let's, let's, let's put on an event where we don't have any talks. We just worship nonstop for three days. Mm. Um, and it's obviously inspired by what King David did with the tabernacle yes. um, in 2 Chronicles 16, the whole story there. Um, it, you know, inspired by that. For, for David, he, he recognized that God's presence was, had returned and was living among the people. And, and that was something that was worth celebrating, that God is close yeah. again. And so David, for 30 years, was nonstop worship in this tent, um, which isn't where the ark was. It was somewhere else. There's a whole story behind it. <laughs> but, so in the UK, it started with like 600 people. And, and you know, we went the first year. Um, we were leading at four o'clock in the morning and there was about three people in the tent and they were all asleep. Um, <laughs> it was amazing. It was amazing. For three days, we were just in heaven on earth and, uh, you know, and it's grown every year. And I think the defining features of Davis tent for me are an, an extraordinary passion in worship. I've never seen mm-hmm. anything like it, the way that people worship at Davis tent and English people, which is like, you know, That's put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> um, just the roar and the sound of worship and the abandonment and uh, the openness to God's presence mm. and the awareness of his closeness is unbelievable. So the unity is another key thing. We've got mm. all different streams and denominations represented. Um, and But when we come around Jesus and unite around his worthiness and not around a strand of doctrine or theology. There's so many, there's so much unity that can come yeah. there in that place. And the other one is just an, an incredibly vibrant community. And like the, the way that the team love and serve, oh, we have 600 volunteers last summer yeah. and how they served and created an atmosphere of, uh, you know, loving each other. It was, ah, oh, it, it brought tears to my eyes. There's so many beautiful things. So it's grown from 600 people nine years ago. And last year there was about 6,000. Um, and about three years ago, we, we joined the team. Um, and that's been my full-time job since then. Wow. Uh, mm. And then this little thing called COVID-19 half hour. I don't know if you've come across that at all. Uh, yeah, what's um, that about, right? It's sad a little bit, uh, <laughs> Um, so that sort of put a stop to uh, gathering to worship um, in large numbers for uh, you know for now, and and it's been a really it's been really rubbish, man. Like we love we love gathering to worship almost mm. like more than anything else. Just coming together, adoring Jesus. I can't think of many things that I love more. Mm. And in some ways, it's like. You know, so we, we, I think this thing that God's been speaking to me about a lot is how much, you know, we've made worship about our pleasure and enjoyment rather than about his glory. Mm-hmm. And so that, that's been my prayer in this season of like, hey, online church, it kind of sucks. It's kind of rubbish. 
Um, but it's still unto him, it's for his glory. And actually it was never for our pleasure. It's in his kindness and in his mercy and that he mm. lets us share in his delight and joy when we worship together. And we will come back together. David's tent will rise from the ashes when we can. Mm. Um, you know, that it's, it's an incredible, beautiful grassroots expression mm. um, that's centered around just, you know, we're not having this conference so that X, Y, and Z will happen. We're just going to do it because he's worthy. He's worthy of an extravagant offering of praise. Mm. Um, and all of those things are still true and they, they'll be, they're true now and they'll still be true after COVID goes away. And so um, it, it will come. That'll be good, won't it? Oh, yeah. We can't wait till, to get back together and worship again. Honestly, man, uh, I don't know. I think you would lose it. Just the, the atmosphere of being together. You know, and so I was reading Psalm 42. I wrote a song about it the other day where it's like, I remembered when I, I gathered in the crowd and worshipped. Mm. And then it's like, why is my heart so discouraged? Why do I feel sad? Mm. Um, but I will praise you again. Um, and that's, that's the, the message of the psalm. It's like, we remember these things with a sort of bittersweet feeling of, mm. oh, we wish we could do that now, but actually we will praise him again. Yeah. Um, and we still do. But and we still do. Yeah. Right yeah. So just to like, kind of, cause I would love just to hear both your thoughts on sort of what do you feel? And you kind of touched on this a bit, Rich. What do you feel like Jesus is teaching his church right now in the midst of COVID? What is he teaching us about worship? And part of that you said was like this, it's all about him. Mm. Um, yeah and and for you guys what is how do you kind of keep worship even alive in your home yeah so i think the two things that god's really been speaking to me about at this time are humility and repentance mm. and and this time of when everything is being shaken we realize all the time all the ways that we placed our confidence in in wrong things i think it was you that told me humility is well-placed confidence yeah um, i is either you or Joel, you know, a long time ago, but, um, but that's so true. Like we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, but everything else is shaking. Mm. Everything's a mess. Um, but rediscovering that place of humility, we all feel that sense of how much we need God at the moment. Yeah. But that's never not been true. Mm. You know, we need him so much for every breath. And, and so this season is a time of rediscovering an awareness of something that's always been true. It's when we face up to God, how can we not be humble? And, and humility always holds the door open for repentance, just mm -hmm. come back to Jesus yeah. and that posture of being at his feet. Um, and, I, and we felt that in a lot of our thinking and theology, mm -hmm. sort of areas where we've, we've seen how you know, we've just been out of line on certain things and just coming back to Jesus on that, on, mm. on that. And with a humble heart, not like we, we know the truth now, but, but it's actually God, we, we don't have a roadmap. We've got a guide mm. and we have to stay close to him. Um, mm. So those two things would be the real, real keys that I sort of mm. think. Uh, and, and they're never like those two pathways are always, 
really crucial to the whole Christian life, humility and repentance. Um, So my prayer is that the church, we, our community, everybody, we come out of this with pure hearts and, um, and that we're, we're open to the Lord's discipline um, because we want to be discipled. So Um, good. Yeah. Yeah, And the other thing I would add on is, um, something I've definitely well we both but um is is the peace the peace of Jesus you know normally we're so busy with everyday life we're we're going to here and there this social event that that going on this and that and the other and suddenly there's nothing and um so I've just you know I'm a very I'm a social animal so I'm like there's always something to do always something in my diary to do at least one one thing a day mm. um so suddenly being hit by just nothing in the diary for all summer is is like my worst nightmare mm. i i i hate it <laughs> so i really had to go back i remember the first day of lockdown i was like okay we're gonna do this for three weeks <laughs> what and i just hated it in the end it was 10 and even more um but I really, you know, had to go, come back to that place of just, Jesus, you are enough. Mm-hmm. If everything else falls away, you are enough. Mm-hmm. And just keep coming back to that place of you are the peace that surpasses understanding, you know, and that's what I need. And there's no distractions, no nothing, because we didn't like way less on social media, like all that stuff as well. We're like, we just want to really find this as a key in that we want to learn in this time, you know, there's a, there's a secret that we want to learn and, and gain for, for the rest of our lives. And I really feel like we're, we're I don't, I don't say we, we've got it, but we've definitely learned a lot over this time, haven't we? Yeah. Like, I was actually listening to radio for like all the cool kids the other day. And this rabbi was talking about the biblical concept of comfort mm. has always been associated with change. And actually, at the moment, it's less about the things that we're overcoming and more mm. about the question of who are we becoming mm. in this time. And that, that's really struck me of, mm. of like sometimes the answer to our prayers is no. Mm. How are we going to respond to that? And what is it about God that we can learn? You know, our friend Eric, he lost his wife a few years ago and his what he said said at the time is like, God, in this incredibly painful season, I don't want to miss anything that you have for me in this season. Mm. And he's just walked out so beautifully. It's been an inspiration. But, you know, I, I wrote this song the other day and I just want to read the, the, the words of the last word, verse. Uh, you know, let the waiting not be wasted. Use the water of my tears to bring new life up from the ashes. Let it grow beyond our years. Let our children reap the fruit and know that there's nothing they should fear. And the song be ever on their lips that God is our provider. And I think that that's my prayer for anybody who's listening to this, Mm. is that the waiting of this season wouldn't be wasted Mm. and that our tears would actually water the seeds that God's already planted in us Mm. and that that would grow into oaks of righteousness not just for our tasting of the fruit, but for the next generation and the generation after. Yeah. So.
Amen. That's so good. Thank you so much, Rich and Lydia. It has been a pleasure just to uh, hear a bit more of your story. You guys are thank awesome. Thank you for having us. So yeah. Dude, yeah. thank you for changing my life. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, well, I think <laughs> you, Joel, and Cody have got a lot to answer for. In a good way. <laughs> in a good way. Yeah. Thanks, guys. <laughs>